The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. So before I introduce today's guest, I want to share with you my four simple tips on self-love. You see, so many people are looking for love, and what they do not realize is that they need to learn to love themselves first in order to have a healthy, loving relationship with someone else or their soulmate. In a Psychology Today article by April Eldemeyer stated that more self-love will attract healthier relationships. So tip number one is forgive yourself and others. When you are holding on to bitterness for someone else or for yourself, forgiveness is essential. Remember, forgiveness is letting go of the bitterness so you are free to love instead. Tip number two, stop comparing yourself. So often we compare ourselves to others wishing we had someone else's looks, their money, their relationship, the car, the house. But when you compare yourself to someone else, all you're doing is reinforcing that you're not good enough and you are good enough. Tip number three, stop criticizing yourself. That critical voice in your head is sabotaging any chance to love yourself and to love someone else. Instead, talk to yourself like you are talking to a child that is upset, being gentle and compassionate. And lastly, tip number four, accept yourself. You need to work on accepting yourself exactly the way you are. Understand and know that you are perfect. So if you'd like to learn more about me, you can visit my website at www.sandyscarlotta.com. So thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today's guest is John Noltner. John is a gifted storyteller and has worked on four continents gathering stories of human courage, grace, and resilience. He has produced projects for national magazines, Fortune 500 companies, and nonprofit organizations. He has a project called A Piece of My Mind, which reflects his belief that art and storytelling can help individuals, organizations, and communities articulate their deepest values and encourage action toward building social capital and community connections. And I want to read a quote that he has on his website. And it says, in a world that asks us to focus on the things that can separate us, a piece of my mind invites us to explore the common humanity that connects us. This is a great conversation and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey John, how's it going today? It's going great. Thanks, Sandy. How about you? Great, great. So 
I want to talk first about your adventure that you're on right now and that you're living in an RV. I think that is so cool. And I I know so many people or I've seen people on, on social media that are doing that. So how, how is that? And what made you want to do that? <laughs> you know, it's pretty delightful. And my wife, Karen, and I have been on the road full time now. Uh, we just passed the year mark. Uh, so we're living in a 34-foot travel trailer. Um, we sold our house of 20 years in Bloomington, Minnesota uh, last fall. And, um, you know, so far we still like each other. <laughs> we, there, there are, there are some, some accommodations and some, there's some learning curve involved. Uh, no matter how much you love and like the person you're with, um, figuring out how to do this dance in a small little rolling box. But we're, we're loving it. You know, we set out with the goal of doing this for about a year. And two months into it, we said, oh, man, a year is going to go fast. We, um, so right now we're thinking at least a couple of years, and then we'll see if we're still having fun. Wow, that's incredible. And um, it's funny that you said that, that you still like your wife, because I joke around <laughs> with my husband. And when we're like just having dinner with another couple, I'm like, you know, the cool thing is, is 18 months into this, where we're both working from home, I still like the guy. I'm like, that's pretty good. <laughs> see, that's a major life victory right there. <laughs> it really is. It really well, is, because we... I love my alone time. And he, he respects oh, yeah. it, and he gives it to me, you know, so... Yeah, that so helps. you have to you have to find ways to navigate that together and say, you know what, I'm going out for a walk, or I'm going to go out taking photos this morning, and I'll be back at uh, you know whatever time. And we we actually did this because we weren't seeing each other enough. Uh, this project I work on, and I know we're going to get into this, but a piece of my mind pre-pandemic, it was keeping me on the road for 180 days a year. Wow. And so um, you know that's. That's not why we got married. We wanted to spend a little more time together. And um, we realized that we could afford two out of three things. We could afford for Karen to quit her job so we could be together. We could afford to uh, continue making a house payment. And we could afford uh, to pay our own health insurance because our health insurance was through her job. We could have two of those three things, but not all three of them. Uh, So we were happy to give up the house payment have her quit her job, and we could uh, work together on the road. Nice. Now, does she help you with your project? Uh, you know, a piece of my mind is my project, and Karen Karen helps with it, but she also does her own thing. She also uh, does some virtual assisting. And so, um, you know, she helps me when I need a little bit of help, but mostly I go through the process on my own, and then we have our, then we have our days and evenings together. Nice. Well, that's fantastic. So tell, let's just jump into a piece of my mind because I'm really curious about this project. Yeah, this is a project I started a dozen years ago. And um, I've, I've made my career as a freelance photographer. So I've always shot for national magazines and Fortune 500 companies. And I was increasingly frustrated with the quality of our national dialogue. I was concerned about all the things that ask us to look at what can separate us. And I wondered if there was something I could do with my skill set, with my photography and storytelling, instead to remember what connects us, to sort of rediscover that common humanity that we all share. And um, as as luck would have it, I like to say the economy handed me some free time <laughs> back yeah. in the back in the recession. And um, you know, this is what I did with it. So I started interviewing people from all different backgrounds, asking them, what does peace mean to you? How do you work towards it in your life? And we we recorded an hour-long interview. I did a portrait to go along with it. 
uh, and then we started sharing them out to the world. So at first, just online, and then uh, in books and in exhibits. And so now we've got three books that share these stories and four traveling exhibits that go across the country. And we use these stories to talk about conflict resolution and civic responsibility and social change and basically how we can figure out how to live a little better together. Oh my gosh, I love it. That's that's incredible because we need that so desperately now more than ever. Oh yeah, more and more every day. And um, you know, this started out as a small little personal project, but it just continued to grow uh, organically. And now, now it's all that we do. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you so much for that. That that's just incredible. So, I was curious about like what what is. I want to hear one of the most profound stories that you've had to, to share. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Is there one oh that gosh. comes to mind? Yeah, all of them all at once come to mind. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But, um, but, but there are some that, that, that really sort of um, rise up. And the, the first is the story that I started um, both of my last two books with. Uh, and it's the story of um, Hashim Garrett, who I met in New Jersey. And, Hashim grew up in Brooklyn, and he was he was picked on uh, as a young boy, and he was frequently uh, scared in the neighborhood where he was, in the, the the situation he found himself in, and he wondered, eventually, if he could, um, if his tormentors would stop tormenting him, if he befriended them, and so he did, and that that worked out okay for a little while, but then this group of kids that he was. Uh, had befriended well they started skipping class and they started stealing things from the convenience store and they started hurting other people and he he found himself in a gang and he said at first that was that was pretty intoxicating that was pretty powerful because he said when he was good nobody knew who he was but when he was bad everyone knew his name uh, mm. but eventually eventually um you know he got into conflict with the other gang members. Uh, they ambushed him. They, they shot him in the back and he was paralyzed from the waist down. And he said when that happened, as he was laying on the ground, that's when he realized he didn't want to be feared, that he wanted to be loved. And he, he said that he realized that he, he wanted to be kind to those who may not deserve his kindness. And he wanted to love those who may not love him in return. And I think that that awareness and that shift and that ability to extend our love and compassion and graces to, you know, those that we might be at odds with, you know, to me, that that's the holy ground. That's the, that's the transformative sort of love um, that can bridge divides and build community and lead us into, you know, some sort of better future together. Oh my goodness. Is he still paralyzed to, to this day? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He is. And he, but he, but he uses uh, his story to work with young kids right. uh, and to encourage them to, to make uh, positive choices in their life, to let them know that wherever they are today, it doesn't have to define where they're going to be tomorrow. Right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, I can see why you wanted to start your, your books with that story. That's incredible. Well, you know, and there are, there are so many powerful uh, stories like this that I've encountered, people who find themselves in really difficult situations, but they've made the choice to uh, lean away from hatred and lean towards 
healing. And those are the stories that continue to give me hope and encourage me in the world. Right. So how many people have you interviewed thus far? Oh, it's been it's been hundreds. Uh, I mean, well, well, well over a hundred just in the last year. And I'm, I'm scrambling drastically to try to, to get through the edits on these so that I can share them out. But, um, but these, these long-form stories like this, we've done hundreds. I also produce some short-form stories where I'll go into a community and we'll ask a prompt. And in the course of a day, I'll photograph 50 to 100 people and just take their 25-word response to uh, whatever this prompt is and... Um, you know, and use that as a way for the community to, to help articulate their mission, vision, and values. And we've done we've done thousands of those at different engagements across the country. Wow. So so a piece of my mind, so I know you've got your the traveling show and you're interviewing people. Is it what is the whole purpose of you doing this? Is it to to put out more books or like what is at the end of the day, what is your goal with this? Yeah, I mean, we share these stories in all sorts of different formats. We share them online, we share them in books and exhibits, uh, in public workshops. And, and the goal is to encourage dialogue. The goal is not to give people the secret meaning of peace, but encourage people to recognize that if there are problems in the world, that, you know, these are our problems. And if there are going to be solutions, they're going to have to be our solutions collectively. Mm-hmm. So so the the overarching uh, goal is to get people to encourage people one to listen deeply, to be willing to hear uh, those around them. Number two is to challenge their own expectations and be willing to acknowledge bias and 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 challenge those and consider new possibilities. Uh, and the third is to encourage people to keep showing up. You know, all of these difficult issues that we're talking about, if we're talking about violence or race or um, interfaith dialogue or politics or whatever it is we're talking about as we look at some of the social issues that we face as a country, these are these are not short-term fixes. You know, these are things that are going to require our, our intentional efforts uh, to sort of bridge the divides and come together. And along the way, we're going to we're going to stumble. We're going to make some mistakes, but um, we hope to encourage people to keep coming back to the table, to keep uh, being willing to build those relationships and look for solutions together. Right. Exactly. Oh. We are going to take a quick break from today's interview because I am so excited to tell you about a new program that I've just rolled out. It includes two group coaching calls each month to help you create the lasting happiness you so desire. It's only a $50 a month investment in yourself, and you are worth it. So visit www.sandyscarlotta.com slash courses to sign up. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's interview. So how do you find people? Like, like... (laughs) I mean, yeah, like, how did great, you find the guy in New Jersey? Goose chase. Right. Yeah. Um, well, there are three ways. And, and the first is just good old journalistic research. You know, my, my background is in journalism. Uh, that's my training. And I've spent much of my career in that world. And so I'm, you know, I'm convinced if you want to talk to somebody who's involved, who was involved with the civil rights movement back in the day, you know, you can probably make, do a couple of Google searches and a couple of, uh, 
couple of phone calls and you can find uh, people who have powerful stories to, to share. So I may reach out to a civil rights museum, I may reach out to uh, you know, a civil rights organization, something like this, to try to uh, find potential people to interview. Uh, the second way is to just plumb my natural uh, networks. You know, as I've done travel photography across the country, um, you know, for a few decades, um, I've met a lot of people. And so if I want to find a shrimp boat captain down in Louisiana, I can, I can contact a restaurant where I photograph down there you know, 20 years ago, find out where they get their shrimp and, and do a little digging to lead to a, a potential subject there. And the third way um, is sometimes these folks just fall in my lap. You know, I was, I was in Mississippi, in, in Columbus, Mississippi, earlier this year. I was really looking forward to a day off and just catching up on some editing. And I walked into a coffee shop and I started talking to the guy in line right next to me and, and uh, we got to talking and it turns out his name is Neil Moore and he was paddling in a canoe 7,500 miles across the country to try to remember what's beautiful about America, both scenic uh, and, and human. And uh, I thought, oh, shoot, here we go again. You know, I have, to, <laughs> I have to sit down and interview Neil. So there went that day off, but it turned into this beautiful story. And so sometimes, you know, you can plan and research, but sometimes serendipity just hands you uh, good solutions as well. Well, and, and when that happens, you, you know in your gut it's meant to be. Yeah, and you have to be willing to walk through the doors that open up. Sometimes you have to be willing to knock on those doors for a while before they open up, but sometimes they open for you. Yeah. Wow. Now, with your t tell, talk a little bit more about your actual exhibit, because yeah. not having seen one, I'm, I'm just curious like what that looks like. Yeah, and, and as people are listening, if they go to our website, they can see some photos of it, and it's just... Uh, the easiest way to get to the website is just the acronym for the project. It's apomm.net. You can click on programming, and there are all sorts of photos of the exhibits. And so we've got we've got four different exhibits in three different formats. And the first exhibit I produced, I'm I'm a photographer. I come sort of out of the art world, and so we we produce these traditional. 24 inch by 36 inch canvas gallery wraps that hang on a wall and they've got a, a larger than life portrait of the person they've got a little biography of who they are and then an excerpt out of their interview uh, from from when we sat down together and so uh, that first exhibit was produced as a gallery exhibit but it, I figured out pretty quickly that not everybody who was interested in the project had 150 feet of wall space to hang it on and so, um, so we produced our, our next three exhibits as portable display banners. So the same sort of thing. You've got a, a large portrait of the person. You've got um, their biography. You've got a little excerpt from their story. Um, but this time, these are freestanding. So we can set them up in, uh, in college uh, student unions. We can set them up in corporate uh, headquarters. In the lobby, we can set them up in libraries and community centers or, or churches. And, and the goal was to have this as public art where people could use these stories to encourage conversation. And so we, we continue to find new ways to produce these exhibits so that they're really flexible and easy to install in any public space. Hmm. 
Interesting. Now on your website, do you have a schedule of where you're going to be? Yeah, at the at the top menu on the website, if you go to events, uh, it will list the places that we have coming up, as well as if you scroll to the bottom, uh, some of the dozens and dozens of places where we've been uh, in the past. Nice. Now, now, as far as you know, like scheduling all of that, you know, is is that? I mean, how easy is it for you to get an exhibit, you know, set up? for for a place. I mean, is is there a lot of interest in this? Like what what does that look like? Yeah, you know, we've well, of course the the pandemic uh offered us some challenges. We have built a a robust schedule of public programming to support a piece of my mind. And then when public programming had to go away because of the pandemic, um you know, we took a hit. So we had to, this is actually part of why Karen and I went out on the road in the RV, because we realized that the public programming wasn't going to come back for a while. Uh, and we wanted to just focus on gathering new stories. And so we, um, we did a fundraiser. We, we, we flipped a piece of my mind into a 501c3 uh, and changed the model of our support. And we, we got donations to be able to, uh, you know, let us go out on the road to just gather new content. Now things are picking up again for the programming. And, uh, you know, we go a lot to conferences. We go a lot to college campuses and schools and, um, and faith communities. And, you know, these conversations, usually people are booking six months or a year out in advance. Um, now as things are getting busy again, our spring starts looking uh, pretty full and we're, we're, uh, moving a lot of uh, engagements into the fall of 2022. Great. That's fantastic. Now, do you do any sort of presentation with this or a workshop surrounding it? The exhibit? Yeah, we, we, we do. Um, it, it's a little bit like an octopus. There, there are so many different ways that folks can engage with this. Uh, my favorite is really like a week-long residency. And so we'll come into a community, we'll install one of our exhibits for the week, which sort of sets the tone and it allows people a, a, a passive and personal engagement with these stories to sort of, sort of set the tone for the week. Then I'll often do uh, sort of an introductory session, uh, which is in the form of a workshop or a lecture to talk about the power of stories to create positive change and the power of stories to, to connect people. Um, and also use that time to invite people to share their own stories. Then we'll set up for a day or two of gathering local stories. So this is the studio process I talked with you about before. And, you know, we've gone into communities and we've asked questions like, when have you found unexpected courage? Uh, we've asked, what's the unique opportunity or challenge of talking about race at this moment in history? We've asked, when have you bridged a divide or when, um, what sort of world do you want to live in? And, and over the course of a day or two of these studio stories, we'll gather 50 or 100 stories from the community. And then I do the production on them and we do a, uh, an end of week closing lecture, again, where I talk about this process of storytelling to connect and then we share their stories back to them. So it, it turns into this really powerful opportunity for a community to start to see themselves and their peers in new ways. Mm -hmm. That is so powerful. Wow. 
I have, I've never, we've never done this anywhere where people haven't said um, at the end, man, this is the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. You know, that, that, that the people, the people feel heard and seen and valued. And that's really a part of this process. And it's so much of what is needed. And to more give and people more every day. Yeah, give people that kind of a safe space in which to share a piece of their mind, right? <laughs> well, you know what? And it's really interesting. Yeah, you 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 hear the the play on words in that in that statement, uh, a piece of my mind. Because usually if someone says I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. It's anything but peaceful. <laughs> but you, <laughs> True. you switch the spelling from P-I-E-C-E to P-E-A-C-E. And it really, it really becomes an opportunity for people to talk about what's close to their hearts and people to really talk about, um, you know, what's important in their lives. And it's a, it's a powerful process. And um, yeah, I think that we individually and collectively are looking for tools to connect and we don't always know what those tools are um but this winds up being a tool uh that can really you know really really bring people together in a unique way yeah yeah for sure i love it this is incredible and i will definitely keep an eye out for your events and see if you come to a town near me. <laughs> You're in Virginia, right? I'm in Virginia, yes. I'm actually, oh, when is it? You can see it on my website. It's either December or it's uh, January. I'm uh, the keynote speaker at a state conference for university extension professionals. Huh. Somewhere in Virginia. Okay. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> Maybe we can find an excuse for coffee somewhere. There you go. <laughs> that would be wonderful. John, this has been so great. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience today? Well, you know what? I would I would love to uh, close with a quick pitch for our new book. Uh, it was just Please released do. September just released September twenty first with Broadleaf Books, and you know, through uh, it, it's called Portraits of Peace: Searching for Hope in a Divided America. And I'll tell you that when I started this project, one of the goals is to quiet my voice and to amplify the voices of others, and that's. You know, that's a worthy goal, and it, it fits in well with my journalistic background. But through a decade of working on this project, I realized that I had something to say as well, um, something about taking risk and about encountering difference, challenging my own expectations, um, staying at the table. And so uh, this new book is really my story, and it connects my journey uh, sort of this journey that I've been on to to learn and to listen and to engage with folks across difference, um, and then it weaves in the stories of some of the wisdom and some of the some of the folks that I've met along the way. Mm. So, so pretty excited about it. Um, it's available anywhere that people love to buy their books. Um, it's available hardcover. It's available uh, as as a Kindle book, and any day now there'll be an audio book that comes out with it. Nice. I love it. Well, John, thank you so much for sharing this, such an important message and project that you're working on. I love it. And I really hope that I could uh, come and see one of your exhibits someday. I hope too, Sandy. Uh, it's great to talk with you. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Thank you.
What an amazing project and gift that John is bringing to the world. Please check out his website, which is a piece of my mind.net. And remember, peace is P E A C E. And check out his schedule of events and, and go check him out if he's in a town near you. So, thank you so much for joining me today. You can learn more about my book, Happiness Solved Climbing 100 Steps, at sandyscarlotta.com. And as always, I hope that you and your family stay safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.